Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to episode 9 of Tell Me Your Tales. Nine episodes, hey? I wasn't actually sure I'd make it this far, to be honest, but um, it's all good. I'm looking forward to hitting double figures next week with episode 10. What about Tali Bird's episode early this week, hey? Her numbers have been absolutely massive in her first two days online. I was, um, yeah, really surprised. I knew people would be interested in it, but it really blew me away. I think she'll definitely, by the weekend, overtake every single other podcast that I've got in the listens. It's um, quite amazing, and it was good. Actually, it was something I was conscious of to finally get a female on the on the podcast. I didn't want this to just turn into a blokes kind of chat, and I really want to um, make sure I'm being balanced with gender equality. And uh, yeah, probably not really good enough when you release seven episodes and they're all with blokes. But I do live in a great community with some amazing female role models, and I've got a couple banked up to come in the next couple of weeks. So um, yeah, really looking forward to sharing those interviews with you. Anyway, this week, as I said in the intro to Tali's episode, was going to be a double episode week as I'm on school holidays, but also because this week's interviewee is Brad Croker, and Brad is racing the Canberra Marathon, which is the same day as Tali's marathon this weekend. So I wanted to obviously get it out before the weekend because we talk about the Canberra Marathon. He's one of the favourites. He's in absolutely amazing form going by his Strava, super elite athlete, like some of the times he's running, especially over the track and 10k, are really impressive, and we talk about that and his upbringing in the sport early in the podcast. Um, We cover his journey, his time at boarding school, some of the different coaches he's worked with, which is some real uh, pieces of wisdom to get out of that. Um, What else can I say? I guess Brad same as Tali. He's racing this weekend, so if you get a chance to get on the socials and send him a bit of a good luck message, as I said, he's in great form. I think he's going to run quite well. He's kind of using this, he explains, as a bit of a positive experience marathon, trying to aim for 2.25. He's doing Berlin later in the year, so I'm looking forward to standing on the start line with him. Fingers crossed, touch wood. We both get there in one piece. I've only actually met Brad in person once before, and that was at last year's Gold Coast Marathon. We were both running together in the early stage of the race, and we had a bit of a chat about settling down early. It was probably the 3 or 4K mark, and a few guys were going off with what we thought was a bit quick for them. And we kind of had a quick chat about what to sit down here and hit our pace and worry about picking those guys up in the last half. But, um, yeah, that didn't happen that day for... For both of us, it didn't happen. We kind of turned the corner and lost a bit of time. We went from running kind of 312s to 315s pretty quick and 316s, 317s. And, yeah, Brad ran away from me in the end that day and put about 20 seconds into me the last um, maybe 3 or 4K. We both ran 67-minute half marathons, but we just didn't have that, you know, power in the second half to bring in those guys. And so many guys had amazing runs that day, so that's not to take anything away from them. I um, warmed down with Brad that day as well. We were in the 
Gold Coast Southport, I guess it is, uh, aquatic centre there for the for the elite guys. And we just ran around the couple of swimming pools a couple of times and it was really good to talk to him and just hear a bit about his story. And since then, I've been in touch with him over social media. Uh, Brad's, I find, the kind of guy I reckon I could sit down and talk with all day. He's extremely well-spoken and um, really knowledgeable. He says some really smart things and he's just got a really good view of running and the world. Um, As I said, part one with Brad this week and then we'll do part two and get a bit deeper in his life and stuff next week and hear all about Canberra. Fingers crossed he wins it because that will make some good content afterwards, but no pressure, Brad. Um, There's plenty to learn. If you're a runner, there's... We have some good conversations about mistakes that we've both made in the past and plenty to learn about training and stuff in this chat. I really hope you enjoy it and I look forward to sharing part two with you next week. Enjoy. All right, Brad, welcome to Tell Me Your Tales. Thanks for having me, Brady. Uh, I've been really enjoying the um, the podcast and your blog so far. Oh, beautiful! Thanks, mate. You didn't have to say that. It's um, yeah, a bit <laughs> of one later. Of those, well, yeah, exactly. It's one of those things I always uh, wanted to kind of get off the ground and never probably had the time to do it. And just um, took a day off work this year to kind of pursue a few little things like that. And yeah, this was one of them. So pretty happy the way it's going so far. Yeah, no, it's been good. And I think um, also targeting people that that haven't really. Um, had a lot of a profile beforehand so, you know like you obviously hear about all of our top level distance runners but to get that sort of second tier or third tier maybe in my case then um yeah it's, it's it's really good yeah that was spot on what i wanted to achieve and just um you're right there's no wikipedia pages on these guys or yeah. um you know big big kind of articles and just they're the kind of guys i'm interested in because i'm in the same boat working and trying yep. to fit the running in and um yeah it's definitely and it's easy like everyone i've approached so far has been more than happy to do it which is good yeah yeah no keep it going i say beautiful mate before we start um getting into your life too much though do you want to maybe introduce yourself yeah sure um yeah so my name's Brad croker i uh 36 um grew up in a small um town on the new south wales south coast called mollymook um spent a few years in canberra at boarding school um and then spent probably eight eight to ten years in sydney studying up there and running and then um moved to canberra about uh what would be eight nine years ago now and and been here ever since so um had a PE teaching background but worked in various jobs I've been an an athlete supervisor at the Australian Institute of Sport for three years or three and a half years so lived on site there um worked for Swimming Australia for three years in the sort of high performance um unit and uh currently working for ACT education um just in internal budgets so that's sort of me in a nutshell in terms of, um, I guess, age and career. And yeah. Beautiful. And I want to do something different with this um, this show here, which you know all about, but the people listening and tuning in so far won't. But we kind of want to touch on a bit of your running stuff and the marathon stuff um, in this conversation, especially because you've got Canberra Marathon next weekend. And then we might tap into all those jobs i know when you sent me through that list i was like i reckon i could talk for for an hour just about the experience you would have gained in those um job positions yeah it's been they're quite quite unique roles um and really enjoyed it i guess i've always enjoyed being involved with um sort of elite sports so um i guess my current job's not really elite sport but um yeah i guess the seven years before that has been yeah for sure so do you want to maybe list your pbs mate just to let people know just how quick you are 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so a few, few of them are quite old now. So 800 800 to 153 and uh, 1500 348. Um, so they're about 13 years old now. Um, 3K is 814. Um, 5K is 1420. And both of those were set um, as a 35-year-old. Um, and 10K is 2948. Half is 66.58. And the marathon is uh, 2.26.50 something. In the snow. In the snow. My first, uh, yeah, first ever marathon in Nagano, 2013. Um, I remember chatting to Troopy in the lead up to, I wanted to pick a race as a debut that, you know, obviously had a quick quick course, um, you know, groups that we're running that sort of mid mid to low 220s. And he suggested Nagano. The only thing he risked me of, risked, um, of being was that it was going to be too hot some years it gets really hot over there because it's the end of their sort of um or it's coming into their summer um and I, I know a guy who raced a couple of years before me in sydney and ended up with heat stroke and um yes i went over there and it was snowing and there was still snow on the ground when i uh, entered the stadium yeah right and that wasn't wasn't ideal yeah so 2013 so just take us back to the start you start in high school like obviously you had a bit of natural speed if you're dropping 153 800s and the 348.15. So was this all kind of high school and then just transitioned from there? Um, not really. I was, I was a really late bloomer. Um, I hated running um, when I was young. I So the small town that I grew up in, there's probably 10 or 15 people in my year group and they take 8 or 10 to regional or to district cross country. I never, I never represented my public school in cross country or athletics. Um, the only way I could ever uh, ever go away to the athletics carnival was playing in the ball games team. Yeah, right. Couldn't get a day off. <laughs> no. <laughs> so um, yeah. So even up until uh, I think my best high school result up until the start of year eleven was fortieth in my age group at high school, um, and then I went from fortieth in year ten to winning the opens in year 11 so there's just this, this big change in 90 between 1996 and 1997 um and even then like i never broke four minutes for 1500 until um i was 20 21 22 um yeah so i was really really quite a late bloomer compared to a lot of other people um i actually remember being lapped by eloise wellings in a uh in the 5k when she was like 16 i think she ran like 15 15 or something and i was running closer to 17 minutes at that point and that was that was me as a 19 20 year old so she was 16 and she was you 16 were there, and, right yeah it was that race where she qualified for the 2000 olympics with that race yeah. but but it was a mixed race so i don't think it actually counted um, but I remember her being on the start line hearing this girl talking about hoping to run like low 15 minutes and I didn't know who she was and you know here I was thinking I was a half decent runner at you know, 16 and a half minutes and um, yeah next thing I know she's laughing me <laughs> Come and, <pass> you. <laughs> and that's not to take anything away from her because she's an amazing athlete I, like it's just yeah. probably um, just yeah really highlighting your progression I didn't realize you'd mm. come from so far not so far back I guess but just took you so long to get moving into it yeah, I used to cop, um, so I was at boarding school for high school and um, I used to cop boarding house detentions because I wouldn't get up and train for the cross country because I just hated it. Um, yeah. I did a fair bit of swimming when I was young. So obviously I've always been involved with sport, but um, never running. It was always swimming or 
and I was um I was quite a chubby chubby kid, so I was like the um the chubby goalie for a long time. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then, what changed? Like you talked about that from year ten to year eleven. Was that when yeah. you said you won the won the schools won the next year? Yeah. So probably coincide with a few things. One was the '96 Olympics. I remember sitting back in the in the boarding house watching a fair bit of that, and um. At the time, um, Susan Hobson, who I think represented Australia in the 10K at, in Atlanta and I think went on to run the marathon in maybe Sydney, um, her husband was a teacher at the school. And um, so there's always a fair bit of talk about that. So I sh- probably showed a bit more interest in the Olympics. And then year 10 was also the point where we could actually start using the school gym. And so I started just getting into the weights and I guess just trying to get a little bit fitter and um, entered a few sort of duathlons um, and I was like like hopeless. Um, and then I think it really coincided with a bit of a growth spurt as well. As I said, I was a bit of a, a chubby kid um, and so just hitting that sort of growth spurt between 16 and 17 um, and I guess just sticking at it, you know, starting off and just seeing that. And the thing I've always loved about running is, like I'm happy to finish, you know, way down the field in a race, but it's me versus the clock. And so as long as I see some improvement in myself, um, that's what keeps keeps me going. Um, yeah. And then so I saw that improvement from year 10 to a year 11. And then I guess, you know, once I sort of won the school cross country, I was sort of hooked after that. Yep. And um, did then you get a coach and then start progressing or? Um, I didn't really st- – like so up until the end of high school my my training involved 6k every day on the treadmill in the school gym like i never i never trained outside until after end of high school so um that's how yeah so i won the school cross country i've pretty much going into the gym sticking it on 16k an hour for 6k which i found pretty hard at the time yeah um and that was it that was my training um susan hobb when i qualified for nationals in year 12 Susan Hobson um, invited me out to her squad for maybe a month before nationals, which was held in Canberra. Um, and I was just so raw. Like, I think the session, I remember the first session we were doing a 400, 300, 200 session, you know, minute recovery between each and maybe you know, three or four minutes between the sets. And I had no idea about pacing. I remember going out and running like 62 for the first 400 and Mind you, I'm a, you know, I'm a seven and a half, 18 minute 5k runner. So I was just cooked. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much the end of my session after the first rep. <laughs> do you think something about like not being forced into it and obviously your parents weren't making you do little acts or the kind of high school stuff that that's why you're still around now? Yeah, it's a good point. I've had a few conversations with people about this. I guess being, being quite ordinary for a long time and, and never really winning a lot of things, um, I've never... I've never sort of been in the sport for that reason. Um, and so it makes it easier as, a, as an adult to just keep going um, because it's, it's all about me versus the clock and my own personal satisfaction. Um, even even as a sort of semi-elite, like some of my best performances, you know, like Zatopec, for example, I've been lapped. And, but, you know, I've still run a PB and I crossed the line absolutely stoked, which... Um, you know, for a lot of, I guess, elite athletes, um, getting laps not a not a great result. But for me, it didn't didn't bother me at all. I'm with so, you. Whenever I yeah. raced Atapec, it was just try not to get lapped twice. It's just a couple of times exactly. there, you're but, coming but, down to get the bell and someone's finishing. Yeah, but like that that night, the first time I broke 30 minutes on the track for 10k, I was just like, you know, I was on top top of the top of the world. Yeah, and that's a good thing about sport too, isn't it? That everyone's got their own, you know, benchmarks and. 
you don't have to win. You can come 50th and still be really stoked because you're better than you were yesterday. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I guess um, I never had, you know, a lot of juniors really struggle when they go from just juniors to seniors. But as I said, because um, I was never a really good junior, um, I was, you know, going to seniors, I was used to, I was used to getting beaten. So it was nothing new. Yeah. So then when did things start getting pretty serious? Because obviously um, you can't be yep. banging out the times you did just off 6K treadmill runs. Yeah, so I guess two uh, – so uni games. Um, so I was at Sydney Uni at the time, which obviously has quite a strong um, athletics culture. So I went to a few uni games and um, uh, Dean Gleeson, who I guess pretty much runs the club, he um, he was he was coaching at the time, but um, I guess he sort of thought that his coaching style may not have suited me. So he suggested I start training with Peter Good, who um, is – He's not that well known in in athletic circles, but he has coached um, Matt Hammond, who was a, a you know a good national level eight hundred meter runner, and I think he's currently coaching uh, Victoria Mitchell. Yeah. Um. And so at the time there was uh, two guys. So Dan Lancaster was a sub 150 800 runner and a uh, low one low three forty fifteen hundred runner. So he was sort of the the top guy in the squad, and um, there was. Cham called um, Daliwal Singh, who's the who's the Singaporean 1500 meter record holder at about uh, low low 350s, um, and so I just used to try and just keep up with those guys for as long as I could, and I sort of looked up to those guys. Um, but his his program was not a lot of volume; it was more speed based. Um, it was always you'd, you'd, you could always set the clock. You'd be doing exactly the same thing, like you know April you'd be doing the same thing each year in April. And, you know, November, you'd be doing the same thing. And it was pretty much hills once a week. Um, track session was either 400-metre reps, like eight reps of fours, um, six reps of sixes, uh, five eights or five one K reps off about a minute recovery. Um, and Saturdays were often um, some sand dune type stuff. So... Um, during those, and so I ran my, my 8 and 15 PBs with him um, off probably 80, 80k a week, 90k a week. Yep. Um, and that, and was, that was, was... Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, so that was back in 2004. Yeah. So that was 2003, 2004 was probably the, the big breakthrough for me. Um, I remember New South Wales state champs going from uh, never broken, never having broken four minutes before to um, I think 354 four in the heat at New South Wales State. So that was sort of the big breakthrough for me. Yeah, awesome. And then looking over your profile, like it's it's almost funny to see 2004, 2004, <laughs> 2015, 15, 11, 15, 12, 16. Like there was a lot of years, Um, well, I guess there was 11 years in there where, yeah. you've, where you've come out in 2015 and broken. I'm not sure what your PBs were before that, but it's a long time just to be plugging away and training at a higher level. Yeah, I've sort of uh, a lot of people. I guess I have a bit of a nickname around the running circle as being the roller coaster. Um, yeah. Like okay. just always a bit up and down. But like I'm always consistent in terms of I'm always training. But you know maybe it's a case of I've, I've overtrained a little bit, or you know you have a bit of a breakthrough, and then you just get a bit too greedy and you start sort of just pushing the envelope too much, and you put yourself in a hole for. Um, you know, a month or six weeks where you get injured for six weeks. And then for me, if, if I miss six weeks, it's pretty much then another six months until I'm back in half decent shape. And that's probably been the trend throughout my whole career where I've never had, I've never had injuries that have kept me out for three years or anything like that. But I've always just had enough to, like, I guess, sort of stunt my progression a little bit. Um, 
And so, yeah, like I've always, I guess I've stopped running a little bit in 2005, but I've moved across to, I was training with Ken Green's group just before I moved back to, um, back to Canberra. Um, so that was in what 2005, 2000, or 2006. I was with Ken Green, training with like Roffy and those guys, and then moved to Canberra in 2000, end of 2006, and started training with Dick Telford's guys. Um, and then yeah, sort of just moved around a lot. And I guess since 2000 and oh, what eight, nine, well, I suppose since 2010, I've pretty much just been doing my own thing, but um, certainly been getting advice from from different people along the way. So. Um, but yeah, I've always, I guess, since two thousand and four, I've never, I've never taken a whole year off. I've always been training. Yep. So, so, so two things I want to touch on there. Firstly, the injuries. What injuries have you had? Um, a lot of it's like tendonitis type stuff. Like nothing. As I said nothing. Bait. I've never had a stress fracture. Um, touch wood. Yeah. Um, so it's mainly, yeah, it's been mainly tendonitis type stuff or um, uh, like just tight back and hip flexors and yeah like i've had a couple of really weird injuries as well like after i ran my 10k pb um in 2011 i was just getting ready to head down hobart for the briggs race hoping to get close to 14 minutes and i got this little it's a weird injury i got this blood clot in a um a small vein that sort of ran down the side of my achilles and by the time I actually, you know, went and saw a sports doctor and then went and had an ultrasound and got like a little, um, they put some cortisone in there in the end, like there was sort of six weeks gone. And so by the time I rebuild, it was pretty much the end of, you know, end of 2012, I guess, then before I was back in shape. So just just little things like that. And that'd be so frustrating, I'm sure. Like you've just come off a 10K track PB <laughs> in shape to hopefully break 14 minutes and six weeks gone and you need another six months to get back again. Yeah, it was one of those ones because I remember I ran, um, not that I'm the same calibre of athlete as like Chris Hamer, but I remember we, um, that 10K Zatapec, we basically swapped off every 800 metres and I ended up, I think I beat him by about five seconds, but then he went on to break 14 minutes at, um, at Briggs with uh, the guys like Jackson Elliott and um, I think Mitchell Brown might have broken it for the first time there as well. And um, the, just got guys who I'd been really close to in November and December that year and then they've come out and run sub-14 in February. So it was a, it was a little bit um, a little bit disappointing, but I guess that's, that's the sport, isn't it? The highs it and the lows. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to touch on, those two coaches, um, Ken and Dick, like obviously – really well-credentialed coaches how much do you think or how different were their training methods first up and then how much do you reckon that's influenced you now um oh they're training similar like they're they're both um i guess quite volume based coaches um you know they place a lot of importance on on the long run um I guess uh, Dick's Dick's training, you probably didn't know what was coming as much as what you knew with um, with Ken. Like Ken always had his stock standard sort of monofartlek sessions um, around around the bay, um, or some hill sessions there, or two ten minute efforts. They were sort of your standard Tuesdays, and um, and then um, what did we do? Oh, Thursdays was often just a tempo run at the end of a you know ten miler. But then Saturdays would be mile reps and hills or a monofartlek in the in Centennial Park or a bit of a 9K fartlek. So you sort of knew, like there was probably eight or, you know, eight to ten sessions that were always sort of rotated through. Um, but with, with Ken, I was always clocking sort of that 130, probably 130K. Um, 
and Dick's, Dick probably focused a little bit more on high intensity track track work. Um, yeah, probably more. Um, oh, what was he doing? Like, yeah, more hard four hundreds and things like that. I'd say um, where there wasn't quite as much of that with Ken. Yeah. Um, but I've, and it's funny because I've had so many different coaches. Like I reckon I've had oh six or seven, co- uh, probably uh, probably six coaches throughout my career, and. Um, but then probably about another four people who I've just, you know, used as a bit of a sounding board. And I've, I reckon I've just taken bits and pieces from everyone and, um, you know, sort of now just incorporate a bit of everything into what I do. Yeah. And obviously, you know your body really well from those injuries and the niggles and stuff, and you can pick and choose and suit yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I think as I'm getting older, I realize now I've, I've changed to just doing two quality sessions a week instead of three. Um, which I find is really helping me a lot. Um, like this, I think I've, I've strung together about 100 days now of running in a row, which I don't think I've ever done. Um, but when I was younger, I used to think that if you weren't doing three sessions a week, you weren't going to, you weren't going to improve. But um, you know, your body, your body doesn't know that you need to do three sessions a week. You know, it's not like you, if you miss a Sunday run that the body goes, oh, you've missed Sunday. That's knocked you back now six weeks. So if you if you got a bit of a niggle, you're better off actually having a day or a day off. Yeah, through. And it's funny the headspace we sometimes put ourselves yeah. in as well about, you know, oh, it's Tuesday. I've got to go hard because yeah. it's actually Tuesday. Not that my body doesn't know it's Tuesday, but I'm going hard because it's Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and long run on exactly. Sunday. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where now having these two quality sessions a week it gives me a little bit more flexibility. So if I if I have a hard long run, I now leave. I, I leave that first session of the week open to either you know tuesday afternoon or it could be a wednesday session um and then if i do tuesday then i'll probably go maybe friday whereas if i do the wednesday um i'll do it on i'll do the second session on the saturday and then just take sunday a bit easier Um, yeah now it's good flexibility to have i wish someone told me that about five years ago it would have been yeah fantastic (laughs) to hear in the young years when you think you're invincible and just go smash yourself three times a week yeah, exactly. So, and I think it just helps to um, sustain it over a longer period as well. Oh, definitely, definitely. But like, it's taken me a long time, and I, like, I'm still guilty of pushing it when I probably shouldn't. Um, probably more so in my just my just easy day to day running. Um, like, I always read these articles about you know the the Africans doing their easy runs at five minute k's, and like, I love, I love. I would love to be able to do that. Like in in theory, it sounds like a great idea, but I just can't run that. I just I just can't hit that rhythm. Um, so I'm always sort of a four, like anywhere between sort of four minutes and four twenties for pretty much all of my easy runs, which has probably gotten me into trouble over the past when I've been trying to do three sessions a week. Whereas now, if I'm only doing two sessions a week, I can probably get away with running a little bit faster on some of the easier days. Yeah. Do you ease into that, or like are you four ten, four twenty straight out the door? Oh, I'm probably 4.25 to 4.00. No, no, probably now – I used to be 4.20 out the door. Um, I'm probably now 4.35 for the first K and then 4.20 low 4.20s for the second and then sub 4.20s after that. Yeah, and you can still manage that when you've been doing these big weeks leading to Canberra, like the one, 170, yeah. 180K weeks? Yeah, yeah. I haven't um, – yeah, no, I've, I've felt actually pretty good. And I think the, the big change I've made for – for this last four or five months is rather than trying to hit 180k every week is i've sort of i've worked on a four-week cycle where i've gone i've had my big week at 180 but then i've dropped it back to 135 or so 
and then I'll go up to 160 or 170 for the next week and then drop it back to maybe 145 or 150. So there's always this change of stimulus. And, like, I'm still doing two sessions a week, and um, but where it changes is, I guess, just the other volume. So, you know, on my big week, I'll run two hours on that midweek run, but then on the, on the lighter week, I'll only run 80 minutes to 90 minutes. And I think that just that change in stimulus, one – um, physically it, it helps but also mentally not just not having to do the same thing every single week having those slight variations has really helped me yeah for sure i reckon there's a massive benefit in that what you just listed exactly then mm. and even if you're doing less caging find more sleep time or just less yeah. stress that you got to find you know juggle other things around in your life to be able to fit in those extra 60 or 70 k's yeah because as it turns out like over, over the four week cycle i still average 100 mile a week but it doesn't feel as hard as if I did four if I did four weeks straight at 100 miles. Yep. It's um it's amazing how it's yeah I've I've been surprised at how easy it's been to do. Where'd you get that idea from? Um, a guy in Canberra who's a he like he's he's done triathlons and running for a long time, but he's come from more of a sports science background. Um, so he's never been a super elite athlete, but he's got the science behind him. So his name's Ben Wisby. So um, yeah, we've been get getting we've been getting a lot of sort of just you know just advice off him, um, and it's good just having that guy to like I'll give him a couple of options. Say, look, I'm thinking of doing this this week. What do you think? And um, you know, generally whatever he says, I'll go with. But um, I sort of you know put out what I'm thinking, and then he'll come back with a with a you know another suggestion. And um, he's quite good because he always errs on the side of caution, which. Um, I guess when you're coaching yourself, you generally probably push it a little bit too hard. So it's good of having somebody there to maybe just um, hold you back a little bit. Yeah, and not a slave to the program at the same time. Yeah. You're not just getting the program and do it and here it is and see you next week. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, that's good. So let's get on to the marathon now, mate. So um, we kind of touched on Japan, 226 <clears throat> first yep. up. How'd that um, race pan out? Um, so the prep was really good. I... Um, so I guess the lead up to it was what? So end of 2012, I, I broke 30 minutes. Uh, just broke 30 minutes at Zatapex. So I was, I was, I was 29:59. Um, took a few weeks, uh, you know, of light training over Christmas, and then pretty much hit it from the start of start of the year because it was a it was a late April race. Um, and I was I was getting through 160, 170 k's a week, and this was the first time I'd ever sort of hit the volume and doing sort of 10 mile tempos and that sort of thing and um you know i was getting up to 38k long runs with you know some sort of 320 sort of k pace towards the end so i was, I was definitely fit um so i went over there and um i guess there's a f- few things that i didn't expect one was i didn't get a seated start and you know most most races in australia like if you don't get a seated start it doesn't matter you just sort of push push your way to the front and you know you can at least get it get into a pretty good start position so the 29 58 didn't get you no i never no. got i didn't so I, I finished 15th in that in nagano um yeah. but i just i just never got a seated start or anything like that and so i tried to push to the I tried to push to the front and the Japanese police were there and they were like, no, nope, you don't have a bib on. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's another country. I'll, I'll probably do the right thing. Whereas if it was in Australia, I'd probably just go, whatever, I'm just going to jump in here. Um, so I ended up a fair way back and I guess being a little bit inexperienced, I, um, 
and coming from the shorter shorter races, you don't realise how important the pacing is or being really comfortable early in the marathon. And so it took me maybe 10, 15 seconds to get across the start line. So for the first 5K, I was just running way too hard just to try and, I guess, catch up to the group that I was I thought I should be running with. Um, so I ended up running probably 16, 1650 through 5K, which is not super quick, but it was probably putting in the effort of about a 16-minute 5K. Um, and then started to feel pretty good. I was, I was just clicking through, you know, uh, so what I go, I was about 33 minutes through 10 K and every time I was going across the 5 K timing chips, I was like, I was timing mats. I was like, what's this marathon caper about? This feels actually pretty, pretty good. Um, and I had <laughs> I my Garmin. exactly what you're thinking. Here. <laughs> I was like, I have my Garmin clicking. Like I didn't have my Garmin beep every kilometer. I had it set up 5 K splits. Um, so I'm like, I just don't want to know what I'm doing every kilometer and, I was bang on where I wanted to be. Went through halfway in. So can I right stop you there? Where did you want to be though? Like what was the aim time going oh, in? Yes, the aim I guess was somewhere between 220 and 225. Yeah. Like I didn't think I was being, I didn't think I was being super greedy. Um, you know, coming off sub 30 on, on the track, I'm like, you know, I've got the speed there. Um, you know, I wouldn't have been disappointed with like 224 or something. Um, Anyway, so I go through halfway, bang on 71, um, and felt pretty good at that stage. Um, like, I was cold. There those points in the race, because I was wearing, it was that, because obviously it was snowing, and I was almost going to consider wearing tights for the race, but I'm like, I never train in tights. Even in Canberra, when it's cold, I'll never wear, like, long tights to, tr- to do sessions in, so I'm like, I'm not going to race in tights. So I was just in shorts, a singlet, and arm warmers and gloves. That was it, and a bean. And um, for the, I remember, I remember after 5K, I actually had my, had my hands down my pants to try and just warm up my fingers because the cold was coming straight through the gloves and my fingers were actually, like, hurting. Um, anyway, so I go through 71 minutes and still feel pretty good. And then I must have – the watch then clicked over uh, for the 25K split. And I look down and have a look to see what I'm averaging for this next lap. And, you know, I was, I was – because I was hovering around 320s before that, I then start looking down and it says I'm sort of running 325s. I'm like, oh, it must be a dodgy satellite, you know. I still feel still feel like I'm going okay, but it says now 325s. And then I get the next 5K split. And I think from 25K through through to the end, I, I was just losing 20, like 20 seconds a K per 5K. Like it wasn't... I, I didn't have massive blow-ups. Like I never ran a, I never ran a K slower than probably 3:45, um, but my legs just got heavy. Um, you know, any any slight downhill, my quads were just, you know, just sort of seizing up. Sort of like the back end of City to Surf coming into coming down the hill into Bondi, where your quads are just smashed. Um, and then I guess uh, with 10k to go, I sort of realised that, um, you know low to low 220s was gone and um with 5k to go that you know 225 sub 225 was gone so it was just a matter of just getting to the finish line but what was interesting about that race was even though i slowed off i never got passed in the i never got passed in the second half yeah it was just it was just a tough day um like the race was won by yuki yuki kuelchi you know the guy who's like super consistent just does two every weekend in yeah. Thing. yeah well that's it he, he ran 215 that day um to win so um yeah so it was it was a tough yeah it was a, it was a tough start to the marathon 
Um, I remember being just so sore when I crossed the line. Um, caught the bus from the stadium back to the train station. It was about a 600-metre walk from the train station to the hotel. It took me about an hour to, hour to walk the 600 metres. I was just so sore. Just done. Just, Were you yeah. over there with anyone else? Or that'd be pretty uh, lonely knowing you yeah. just... Yeah. No, I tra- travelled by myself, but there was another girl from um, Sydney who runs for Sydney Uni Athletics Club who was looking to run about three hours 30. So we are staying in the same hotel. Um, so, yeah, so had at least had her there, you know, during the period that I was over in Nagano. Um, but I certainly didn't respect I – di- I guess I didn't – coming from the shorter stuff, I just didn't realise how hard the marathon was and – I guess my fueling was no good either, um, just because it was so cold. I just did, never really felt like I needed to drink anything. Um, so I, I probably didn't. Oh, I reckon I took one cup of water the whole race. Yeah. Um, yeah. And no gels had, or anything like that? Uh, I would have had gels, but I probably only had three. Um, and obviously probably needed more. Um, yeah, so it was a – yeah, it was, wasn't, wasn't a great experience. But having said that, you know, it was still – not a bad result for the f- first ever marathon. You know, it's not like a, you know, blew out to 2.35 or 2 hours 40. Um, but it did take a long while to actually want to do another one. Um, just because my body actually, I really struggled for a while after that. Just with my body, just um, my calf kept sort of like cramping on me. Um, so I ne- so the rest of 2013 was pretty much a write-off for me. Yeah, after and, that, that. and this is in April kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I remember, um, yeah, like I was on and off for that whole that whole 2013. It wasn't until probably wasn't until September 2014 that I started actually running well again. Yeah, right. Really mm. did take it out of you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think yeah, it's just a different event, the marathon. Like you come from the short stuff, and like you just see so many guys that run well over five, ten, even a half that just don't seem to convert that well over the marathon. Um, I just don't like, you know, like for myself, I don't think I'm that efficient over, like I, I think I just chew through too much energy for the pace that, you know, even even 325s, I just don't think I'm that that efficient at it. Yeah. Um, so I'm okay for a period of time. And that's where I guess for Canberra, I've just been trying to, um, I've been getting a bit of help from a, a dietitian that I met while I was working at the AIS, just trying to get a little bit better at sort of, I guess using fats and sort of just doing a few more fasted runs and stuff like that, just to see if that helps. Yeah, this stuff interests me. I've um yeah read a bit about it, like yeah not having the carbs before your long run and things like that to turn on your fat burners and train mm. your body to burn that stuff rather than the carbs straight away. Yeah, so I've been trying to do a little bit of that this prep, um, but also uh, but not every run and um, not not either side of a quality session either so it's more just on some of those junk junk mile runs um like i don't enjoy it because i always love getting up in the morning and having my coffee and um and toast but um there's been a couple of days a week over the last few months where i've just just gone a black coffee and um just a scoop of amino acids with some water which <laughs> which tastes pretty foul <laughs> oh well mate if it pays off for you everyone will be doing it yeah, we'll see how it goes. So let's talk about, so you did that in, two thousand. started 2012? Uh, 13. To 13, yeah. yeah. Um, and then didn't go back to the marathon until last year, 2016 in Melbourne? Yeah, so um, I guess, 
you know, got got married early last year, and my wife enjoys running. So I've sort of, I guess, the last since we've been together, I've sort of just gone away from the track a little bit, just because um, I don't know the track's a little bit. When you're in a relationship, it's a bit selfish, like because she's not interested in running on the track at all. Um, whereas if she's doing fun runs, you know, we can both go and do fun runs together and it's quite good. You go away for a weekend to like a local sort of town and do the fun runs and yeah, it's something we can do together. Whereas if I stuck at the track, um, she wouldn't, yeah, she wouldn't do it. So this is something we can do together. Um, plus I figure, you know, I've spent so many years running track and yes, maybe I could run a few seconds faster over all of those distances that I've you know run, but um, you know, I've never really focused on the, the half or the marathon and you know, I'm 30, I'm 37 this year. So I don't have that many years left. So I thought, well, I may as well start to have a, have a, have another go at this. So um, yeah, I ran Gold Coast half with you last year and um, yeah, it was, was a solid run. As, as you said, like I was a bit the same with you, the turnaround, um, sort of just got those, that heavy leg sort of feeling where bit bit domsy through the quads yeah um, i remember saying to you at like 5k we'll just we'll chill yeah. out we'll turn turn and we'll bring all these guys in the next 10k yeah like it happened no it was it was a tough run but it wasn't like it wasn't a disaster i thought to myself you know what yep yeah, i've got now from july through to october to prepare for, for melbourne i was the same um, as berlin i kind of thought well if that's a bad what do we run about 67 uh, 67 yeah, I was yeah. 67, 20 odd, I think. I yeah. think I was 45 or something yeah. like that. But I thought the same thing. It's not a bad mm. run. You're still well under marathon pace. Yeah. And before yeah, and, the and marathon you, block starts. Exactly. And you put, um, you, you know, you put 67 low into the mar- into the converter, and it still it still pumps out. Supposedly, you should be able to run, you know, low low 220 sort of marathon. Um, but I got really I got really sick um, in August. Uh, I was in bed for five days with like fever and, and this is, you know, even at 35, still just not listening to my body. So the moment that I could run, I started running again and it was just way too soon. Um, like I remember going out for the first run, like just coughing up a lung, just going, what am I, like, I know I shouldn't be out here, but you know, I've got however many weeks to Melbourne. And so I went from being sick as a dog for, in, for five days to then going back to, 150k the next week and then one week at 160 and one week at 170 and i was just a completely different runner um to the point that you know i was 40 seconds slower over a 5k park run than what i was even though i was running 100 mile weeks um and so about a month out from melbourne I, that's right i did national cross in there which was just a disaster one i was obviously still not 100 percent, and i was doing it off 100 mile a week so um yeah, National Cross wasn't much fun. Um, a month out from Melbourne, I pretty much pulled the pin and said, no, I'm not doing it, and um, went and had some blood tests, and it came back with, like, a high liver reading because um, I guess I'd just never given my body enough time to, to recover from being sick, and there was um, also a fair bit of muscle breakdown. Like, I, I can't remember the C, – I think the CK reading or something. So my body was in a pretty bad way, but – um, I decided everything was booked for Melbourne. So I went down and went, you know what? I had a look at the qualification for Berlin and yep. I, I, I knew I had to run under two hours 45 to, to be automatic. So I'm like, you know what? Even the way that I'm running, I should still be able to run two hours 45. So um, I went down there, as that, that being my goal. Um, and then the day before the race, I saw the weather forecast and I'm like, it was, you know, forecast for strong winds. So I thought to myself, maybe I'll just run with the lead female pack because there's always a good group of guys just around the lead female. 
So I'm like, well, if it's windy, there's going to be a big pack. I'll just sit in for as long as I can. And I figured, I looked at um, who was favourite, and I think it was Virginia Maloney. And, you know, even having an ordinary national cross, I think I, think I ran two minutes faster than what she did on that on that cross-country course. I'm like, surely I can just run with her for most of the marathon. Um, yeah, so I ended up running two. I went, went through halfway in Melbourne in 76 and um, came home in 74 to run two hours 30. So... Um, yeah, it was put it that way, it was more it was more enjoyable than Nagano, that's for sure. Yeah, and it would have been a good opportunity to still practice, you know, nutrition and pre-race stuff. <clears throat> and were you under the MCG beforehand? Did you have an elite start? Yeah, I had an elite yeah. start for that one. And um, yeah, it was actually a really fun run, like fun race. I just tucked in with um, with Virginia and her coach, and um, always felt really really comfortable. And even to the, I think I was lucky. Feeling really comfortable through halfway meant that when we hit the wind, I actually didn't struggle too much because I was still f- pretty fresh. Um, and I think the last, like the last seven k, was was low two twenty marathon pace. So I was able to kick it down pretty well. Um, yeah, and so I obviously ticked tick the um, box for Berlin. So um, uh, yeah, so then I had to make the decision: would I would I run a marathon between Melbourne and Berlin? And I thought to myself, well, I've only re- I don't really count Melbourne as being a proper marathon because it was it was a, a sub max sort of effort. Yeah. So I just wanted one more marathon under my belt where I go through halfway a little bit faster, so I I sting a little bit more in the back end, um, which is is more typical of a marathon if you if you're laying it on the line. Um, so that's what I plan to do for Canberra next week. Is um, yeah, just run something solid, um, just to give me give myself confidence that. So Canberra is not, I guess, a super, super quick course. There's a few hills. It's, um, I guess, slightly at altitude. Um, and there's never really big packs to run with. So um, I figure if I can run somewhere around, I'm going to target around that 225 mark, um, which one would be a PB, but I think it would give me enough confidence that with another six months, I can then at least have a crack at low 220s in Berlin. Yeah, and if it's a smart 225, like a controlled 225 early, um, yep. you might recover off it pretty well. Yeah, exactly. So so the plan for me next weekend is to um, probably hit close to 17, 17 minute, 17, 10, 5K splits, um, which will get me through in, I don't know, what, 70, 72-ish through halfway. Because um, I think I want, like... I want to bank a little bit of time just because it's a, it's a tough second half in Canberra. There's a couple of um, couple of hills at uh, 30K and then even 4K out, there's a bit of a, a steep pinch. So, um, yeah, so that's the plan um, and see how we go. And, yeah, obviously practice fueling as well. Um, and also the decision to do Canberra meant that I could put in a good marathon block of training and then see how I, I run off that. And obviously, then um, tweak things between now and Berlin, depending on what happens in Canberra. Yeah, and how's training been going? Obviously, I've been following you on Strava. I know exactly, but do you mm-hmm. want to just yeah fill people in? Yeah, it's been good. So I think, as I said earlier, um, I haven't missed a day since about three days before the new year, which is the longest streak ever, ever for me. Um, I've averaged, I think, about a hundred miles over that period um, with that structure of you know. 170 dropping back to 145 150 up to 180 and then back to 135 um my long runs have been i haven't run any longer than 
I did 139k run, which was over some quite hilly terrain. Um, that's been my longest run. The rest have been sort of that 35, 36k. Um, Session-wise, I've pretty much been alternating. So I only do two quality sessions a week. One week I'll do a monofartlek. The other set, the other week I'll do like five two-minuters and five one-minuters off more of a sort of standing sort of recovery. Um, so I guess, you know, the mon is a bit more continuous, um, whereas the other one I can sort of just focus on just keeping a little bit of speed, a little bit more turnover. Um, and then the other session I do has been anything from three or five-minute efforts, oh, sorry, five-minute or eight-minute efforts through some, you know, undulating trails off sort of 90 seconds recovery, um, 10-mile tempos, or I did one, I've only, I've only done one, I guess, real sort of, I guess, marathon-specific session, which was um, about three or four weeks ago. I did 5 by 4K with a three-minute float, um, and I think I averaged just under 320s for the for the 4K reps and was floating at about 345. So I'd end up, end up being 23K at oh, – just over 23K at 322s, which is, which is faster than my goal marathon pace for that, you know, um, but obviously I'm only running 23K. Yeah, so, um, I reckon those sessions are good though because they just get you tuned into that pace, and when you're yeah, floating the recovery, it's kind of keeps you honest as well. Yeah, I was really surprised. I, I really enjoyed. It. I had my wife on the bike with me, just um, one for a bit of support, but two just to hand out some drinks so I could you know practice fueling. Um, it was probably that session, and two weeks ago I did my last long run. Um, down the coast, which I, I always find I run a little bit faster down the coast just because it's um, at sea level. But I did um, 23K at sort of 355s, and then I did a 10K in 32.45 on like on the flat sort of around um, the holiday house that, that we have down there. Yeah. Um, and, like, I was amazed at how, how comfortable the, the 32.45 felt sort of, um, which, once again, is obviously way faster than – I plan to run for the marathon, um, but both of those sessions I, I did actually get up for. Like I'm a type of person. I remember listening to Josh Harris's um, podcast a few weeks back, and he said that he's a type of guy that he doesn't go to a race and find another level from what he's been doing in training. So his training and his racing are quite, you know, comparable. Um, and like you look at his Strava, like some of the sessions he does on Strava, and you're like, there's no, there's no way I could ever ever do that but if we had to race a 10k i probably wouldn't be too far behind him but yeah. i could just never i could do i could never get close to him in a training session um whereas i find that for races i do tend to i don't know what it is i, I probably just um probably just i guess we just walk, like wired a bit differently whereas I, I just rock up the training and um you know the training times are never super impressive unless i've made a real conscious effort of getting up maybe having a bit of no dose you know, really loading, having gels throughout throughout the session. Um, so there was two sessions during this prep that I really did that and felt felt quite good. Um, so yeah, we'll see how we go. But I, you know, I've ran around. I was only five seconds off my um, park run PB last weekend. So I ran fourteen forty eight for a park run. Which um, when I ran my PB, I was it was only a few weeks before I ran sub thirty on the road at Sydney ten. So. I was really surprised at how well I was running over 5K off off this sort of volume. Yep, and even I've just got that 39K long run up now. Like you um, had 580 metres worth of elevation in there. Yeah, yeah. Average 407s. It's pretty impressive. Yes. That was, yeah, I was, I was 
it wasn't an easy long run. I'll put it that way. It did hurt towards the end. Um, but I think I'm the type of runner, I think I need to do more of those longer, um, like, 5K reps um, just because, like, I can do monofartlek and that stuff. I've, I've been doing that for, you know, 15 years, and I guess I have the speed there, but it's that strength that I probably don't have. Um, so that's probably the one thing that even after Canberra, depending on how the result goes, I'll, I'll try and maybe once every two weeks do one of those sort of real long 20K worth of work that's close, where I average close to marathon pace for that. Yeah, that was a big difference I made between going from 226 to 221 was, I yeah, I pretty much sent Josh, a, Josh and Mark Kerr when I remember emailing both those guys because they'd both run low 220s and said, what do I need to do? What would you suggest? And they both said, have a crack at doing some longer marathon-specific sessions. Yeah. And um, they're a bit daunting when you when you read them. But when you're doing them working at marathon pace, it's not that hard. It's just there for a long time. Yeah. And, and as I said, I think if you really – if you prepare yourself for it, and that, that, that this is where the mental side comes into it. Even um, – so I did that session on average 322s. And then last Wednesday, I just went out, you know, sort of started the taper – went out and just did a 10k tempo and you know i was running 318s for the 10k on the, on the exact same course where i did this 20 23k monster session and felt felt ordinary but i guess i was in a different mental state in that for that 22k session i was you know i had i had no dose i was you know this is that was almost like a race for me um, whereas when I just roll out and go, all right, I'm going to do a 10k tempo now, it, it just never feels never feels that easy. <laughs> just tick it off, kind of. Yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Yeah, yeah. and that's um, yeah, it's a good point. Getting yourself up for it, and I think when you pencil in those big marathon sessions, you know, once every two or once every three weeks, and put a bit of a circle around it, you almost set yourself for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I and guess the only the only downside to that is. Um, especially being a little bit older, is there's probably the added risk. Um, so obviously just being a little bit careful either side of that session um, because – and that, that, that's the one thing that Ben, the guy that's been giving me some advice, is like, yes, like they're good sessions, you need to do them, but you, like if you do them every week, there's the risk of, you know, of breaking down. Um because there was one point there where I suggested to him that I would, I would do two sessions a week, but every second long run I would throw in a hard a hard section in that long run. And he's like, well, that's yeah, you should definitely throw some like close to marathon pace stuff in your long run, but I wouldn't do it every every second week, maybe like once every third week or once every month, just to I guess um, reduce the risk of you know of injury. Yeah, because they can break you those big sessions. Like they're yeah. they're yeah. hard on the body. Yeah, especially at 30, 36. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, let's get back to this weekend though. Um, any competition you know of? Um, yeah. So the two guys that probably stand out are um, Sam, Samuel Walden Manuel's on the elite start list. So he won Canberra Marathon two years ago in two twenty one, and then I think he went and ran two thirteen at the Gold Coast. Yeah, so he's right. a, I think he's an Ethiopian guy, living in Australia, um, and he also ran recently within the last two years. I think he's run two eighteen at the Sunshine Coast Marathon. Yeah, I know the guy you're talking about. Yeah, so he like obviously if he turns up in shape, like I won't even I won't even go with him. 
Um, and uh, the other guy, I think Matt Cox, is coming down. Okay. So he's a he's a guy that's he's quite a follow him on Strava, and um, he seems to be a big volume guy, and uh, does a, does similar stuff to Josh, like you know twenty twenty five k sessions at averaging sort of three fifteens to three twenties, and you know. Um, so he's always, yeah, he's always fit. Like we've, we've been pretty similar in our careers over five and 10. Um, like, you know, he's beaten me a few times I've beaten him, but when it comes to the marathon, um, you know, he's obviously well ahead of, of what I've, what I've done before. So, um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how, how quick him and, um, Samuel Emanuel plan on, plan on going out. Yeah. Cause you never know what kind of shape people are in as well. It's, um, a bit of a guessing yeah. game now. Yeah. So I'll just try and I'll just try and stick to my own sort of rhythm and that whole like so I guess I'm looking at what 325s something like that just dial in 325s and um, see how we go. So I think that's the hardest thing as well coming from the shorter distances is that you I guess at 5k 10k you're used to hurting a lot earlier in a race like being on your limit a long way you know a long way from the finish line. Whereas um, obviously for the marathon you almost just have to zone out for the first hour and a half two hours and then just save that sort of mental energy for the last part where it starts to get physically hard yeah for sure beautiful mate well we might leave it there and kind of um put this out as part one and then yeah, no worries. We'll, we'll have a chat after the after the marathon how's that sound sounds good thanks for uh, having me on again i hope i haven't uh chewed your ear off too much nah, mate i love talking about this stuff so i could <laughs> yeah. go all day talking run and stuff it's good fun yeah, me too. <laughs> Have you got anyone like pacing you or anything next week at Canberra or are you just going to go off by yourself? Um, at this stage, off by myself. I'll see who else is around. Um, I know Alan Craigie is making his marathon debut. So he's, you know, he's been a pretty quality athlete over the shorter stuff. Um, but I'm not sure what he'll – like. he normally does attack most races. So he might, um, he might be looking to run that sort of uh, two hours 25 as well. Yep. Um, and then there's a couple other guys, I'm trying to think who else was on the list. Oh, Brendan Davies, but I guess he's more sort of 2.30. So, um, yeah, we'll just see how it plays out. Yeah, should be um, good, mate. Well, all the best from uh, this end, and we'll, we'll talk next week to hear, hear how it all went. Sounds good, mate. Beautiful, mate. part one with brad croker as i said in the intro send him a bit of a good luck message facebook strava instagram whatever he listed off at the end there i'm sure he'd be really appreciative to do that and um we'll be back next week to hear how it all went with him cheers enjoy your weekend bye and the hardest thing that i've got to do is learn how to unlove you
still feed the seeds that you taught me to sow So believe the choices you made were right Don't let what ifs keep you awake at night Because I've met someone new now But it was you who first showed me how Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.